Well, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to see you all on this wonderful day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus in our carols and singing and everything that He came to do for us. Amen. I mean, let's be honest, without Him, we're kind of lost. Amen? Yes. So last week, as uh, Steve so nicely covered, we dealt with um, Jesus being rejected in His hometown, Jesus speaking with authority, and you see that Jesus says that His Father has given Him authority to lay down His life and to pick it up again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus actually praying, not my will, but your will be done, in order to say, God, I, Father, I want to accomplish the will that you want for me. That is not a prayer you pray in every situation. That was a prayer Jesus prayed because he was about to go and face his ultimate destiny of dying on a cross, which I'm sure all of us could agree isn't exactly a nice thing to go through. Amen? But the Bible tells us that for the hope set before him, he endured the cross. Which means, what was that hope? Can you put up your hand? Say, I'm the hope. You were the hope set before him. And because of you, he was willing to endure the shame of the cross. Because of you. And if that doesn't speak to you already, I need to tell you, Jesus went through what he went through so that he could rescue you from your own selfishness so that he could put your, the Spirit of God back in you and you could become a selfless being again, that what he intended for you to be from the beginning. So Jesus had a destiny with the cross by his own free will. No one forced him. The Father did not coerce him. The Trinity was in agreement. Amen. And he decided when this was going to happen based on the fulfillment of the prophetic word about Jesus. Are you guys with me? Right. And then in spite of being imprisoned, the apostles continued to preach the gospel. Uh, if you remember the story from last week, they were imprisoned. The angel releases them and says, go and do it again. Great advice. The same thing that got you into trouble, go do it again. Amen? Because the kingdom of God is a macro kingdom, not a micro kingdom. Every other kingdom is a micro kingdom in the scope of the macro kingdom of God, which is here in every one of you. And while Paul was facing death, he still believed that he had a choice to stay or go. And I read this to you. He said, I'm pressed whether I will go, which is for my benefit, because it's better to be with the Father, or whether I'd stay, which is for your benefit, but I think you need me, so I'm going to stick around. And most people would say that's arrogance, but like I said, that's confidence, and we all need a good dose of that. Amen? Be confident in the destiny God has for you, so that you can accomplish it, and the enemy cannot bring anything against you that is capable to prevent you from accomplishing that which God has sent you for. You are not here by accident. Every single one of us have a purpose on this planet. Your life has meaning. And the only reason at times you feel like it's going nowhere is because we allow fear, anxiety, depression, and the things of this life to suffocate the Word in our lives. And so I encourage you to not let the devil do this to you any longer, but to grab a hold of the truths in the Scripture 
and begin to live out the destiny God has called you to. So later in Paul's life, he believed that he had accomplished that which he had been sent to. He says, I've been poured out like a drink offering. I've run my race, etc. So there was a time where he felt that he had accomplished that which God had sent him. He had reached his destiny. And so there is a time where you might feel that way. And then you're more than welcome to go be with the Lord. Just don't get anyone to pray for you to stay here. Amen? That would be wrong. All right. And then, if you look carefully here, you'll see that there are some heroes of the faith. How many of you guys know this series, Heroes? Yeah, okay. Hebrews 11, 35 to 40. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins and sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, whom the world was not worthy. Believer, the world is not worthy of you and God knows it. Do you understand? The world is not worthy of you and the Lord knows it. The sufferings you endure for the sake of the gospel are not in vain and they don't go unseen before the Lord. He sees what you do and the things you do that please Him, He takes great joy in them. Wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, many of the people who are listed here in Hebrews 11, and if you're familiar with Hebrews 11, you'll know that it's listing many of the Old Testament people who had faith in God in spite of their situation. Like Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you remember that story? Noah and the flood. You guys remember that story? Abraham is mentioned in there, as well as Shabrak, Meshach, and Abednego, how they escaped flames. And there are many other stories that are mentioned in there that I don't have time to go through. And so if you look at those, you'll see that they were all looking forward towards a particular time, a particular promise. And so when this scripture says they all died not receiving what was promised, it's not talking about the things that they were trusting God for within the immediate present time, as far as their dead being raised to them or overcoming armies or being resurrected from uh, from the dead or even being saved from fire it's talking about an ultimate promise the promise that god himself would send himself as a gift to all mankind the promise that joel speaks about where he says that in the last days i will pour out my spirit on all flesh the same promise that paul speaks about when he says be baptized and receive the holy spirit for it is promised to you and your descendants This is the promise that it's talking about. The promise of the coming Messiah through whom the Spirit of God will be restored to every believer. And so this is what Hebrews is talking about. How many of you have the promised Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? And if you have the promised Spirit living in you, then you have all of the power and grace and mercy of eternity dwelling in you. 
You have the same power to forgive that God has because He lives in you. You have the same power to love that God has because He lives in you. The question is, will you surrender to who you are or will you continue to believe who you're not? And all three, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That means that they were waiting for what we have today. Hello? We have the power today. The power that they were looking for is the power we have today. The power that they were waiting for is the power that we have today. Yet, many of us don't take advantage of the power that's been given to us. In fact, some of the Old Testament prophets were better at sonship than most sons are. They trusted God more emphatically than most sons do. When the prophet was warned by his helper that there was an army surrounded him, he didn't panic and phone 911 and try and get the police over. He said, no, 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 look again, Lord, open his eyes, for those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. When the enemy came to kill the prophets, the prophet said, no, I'm not the person you're looking for. Go to the next city. Let me take you. The very person that they were looking for ended up taking them to the enemy camp. He knew how to use the Jedi mind trick. These are not the prophets you're looking for. I'm telling you, these guys operated in power by the Holy Spirit. Samson was able to destroy a whole nation by himself. That same spirit of might is the same spirit of God that lives inside of you. There is no weak among us unless you believe yourself to be weak. We've got the power. We've got the power because love is power. Luke 10, 17 to 18 says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This is really like a saying Jesus used to illustrate that they had literally dethroned principalities and powers when they were out casting out demons. But in the next verse, he continues to say that we shouldn't celebrate that we can cast out demons but rather that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, our celebration shouldn't be about our power, but it be about our position, because we're in the family of God. But that doesn't mean we should neglect our power. Jesus knew He would not die on a cliff, because He was waiting for a cross. And you have the mind of Christ. And if Jesus knew where his end would be, then by the Spirit of God, you can know where your end will be. Is it not? Because the same Spirit that told Jesus is the same Spirit you have. 
But how surrendered are we to the Spirit? How obedient are we to His guidance? Because the more you ignore Him, the softer His voice gets. Hello? I'm just being straight with you this morning. Because He tells you to do something and you go, I don't have time for this right now. And then the next time it takes twice as long for Him to tell you something. But the Bible says, be sensitive to the Spirit. Do not grieve Him. So that when you are listening to Him continuously, you can learn how to partner with Him. And by the way, praying in tongues every day is the best way to do that. Cultivate it. 1 Samuel 3.19 And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. If Samuel was a priest and we are all priests as unto God, then why would the Lord let any of your words fall to the ground? That means that the Lord will honor your words. Am I right? Psalm 91, probably a cliche chapter in most Christian circles. But I hope today it becomes a living revelation. One that you can grab a hold of and constantly remind yourself of. Because let me tell you, this one chapter, God declares that there's nothing that can come against you. But there are some conditions. Condition is, you have to rest in Him. And most people are trying to earn their way in instead of surrendering to His way in. Amen? Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, it's always good to read the beginning. Amen? This is verse 1. Why? Because in verse 1, He gives you the condition. The condition is abiding in Him. Jesus said, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Is anyone seeing a pattern? At least I am. Hallelujah. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Can I just see, how many of you believe that the Lord is your fortress? For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will what? Deliver you. You know what the word deliver also is the word salvation. Because salvation includes deliverance and healing and protection and provision. Because it's the word salteria. Watch this. He will cover you with His pinions. And under His wings you will find refuge. Wow. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Guys, is the Lord faithful? Is the Lord faithful? Then His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. The sword, of the, the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. How do they operate? The shield of faith is the Word and the sword of the Spirit is the Word. The one is for protection and the other one is for attack. 
And if the shield of faith is what? Trusting what the Lord promises, He will do. Because the faith of Abraham was that no matter what he experienced, he believed God. And nothing could sway him. Even though he was as good as dead and his wife was barren. But Mark, you're not looking at the circumstances. Exactly. Because we have a faith that's not by sight, but by the word. This is an important thing for us to remember. And I'm not saying deny reality. I'm saying speak to it. Because the Lord will not let your words fall to the ground. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now let's just, just look at this, right? I was in George a while ago and there's, there was this, um, I was spending some time with uh, ministry friends and we were doing some ministry work. We went to go to a church and I shared some word there. And while we were there, one of the ladies who was on team with us she was struggling to prophesy, and she said to me, no, I, I've got this prophetic word for this one person in the church, but I don't know them from a bar of soap, and I'm a bit nervous to share it. So I said, well, go and share it, because even if you're wrong, at least you stepped out. It's better to have stepped out and be wrong than to never have stepped out and be wrong anyway. Because you're wrong if you don't step out. How will you train yourself to hear if you never act on what you hear? So she was afraid and she didn't. And we had a meeting with some of the leadership at a coffee shop afterwards. And they went down to the beach. And this is how gracious the Lord is and how faithful He is. Because she happens to meet the couple on the beach. And now she had obviously been deliberating about this for a while. And she finally shares the word with this couple. And she says, I saw there was a dark figure. And this figure was trying to make a financial deal with you. And it's going to go south. It's bad news. The Lord says, get out of this financial deal. It's not going to work out the way you think. And when she spoke to them, they said, we're in the midst of that deal. It's about to change our lives. And the Lord is warning us. Are we hearing? God went to great trouble to find someone to speak. What if sometimes the answer you're waiting for isn't coming because someone's afraid they'll be wrong? You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, so you can have naps. You don't have to worry. Naps are good, God. Amen. You don't have to worry. You know, your children, they sleep sound at night. They don't stress about whether there's going to be enough food for rent. I mean, rent for food, whatever. You will not fear the terror that, of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Do you think this covers everything? How many of you are encouraged? A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. It will not come who? Near you. Say it won't come near me. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. That means that you'll actually see the wicked 
get into trouble and be exposed, which is happening. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. So you see why this is all happening? Because you're abiding in Him. Because He lives in you and you live in Him. Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And you are in me and we are in the Father. Guess what? If we were a cup of coffee, we'd all be mixed in. I mean, you all like coffee, right? Some milk, some coffee, some water, some sugar. Just go to our, just add Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, and the saints. Stir them all together. Amen? All together, inseparable. One with Him. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place the most high, who is my refuge? No evil shall befall, shall be allowed to befall you, and no plague will come near your tent. Brothers and sisters, I don't think we spend enough time studying this chapter. Because we say, oh, the Lord will protect me, but we don't actually base it on what we know He has promised very often. Am I right? For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now that doesn't mean you can go practice flying of the highest building. Jesus clearly demonstrated that we're not to put the Lord our God to the test. But it does mean that no matter what happens to you, God's angels are commissioned to look after you. And if you believe it, they are activated. Amen. So if you happen to get into a situation where you're falling off a building, Jesus, help. Amen. And the angels catch you. Isn't that right? Now just about this thing with protection, remember protection as promised here has already been given to you. So it's not something you have to keep asking for. It's something that you can keep thanking God for. Because it's already given to you. Just like everything that's in the New Testament, we already have been given these things, but we have to step into a place of being thankful for them. Does that make sense? Father, I thank you that I am protected. No matter where I go, my steps are ordered. For you have made me righteous, and the righteous steps are ordered of the Lord. He made me righteous so he could order my steps. That's pretty cool. For he will command his angels, right? Lest your foot shall strike a stone. Now many of you remember that's a stone, not your bed. So don't complain. Watch, watch out for your bed. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You will tread on the lion and the adder. And young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Guys, what do you think happened in the Colosseums of Ephesus? When Paul wrote and he said, I tamed beasts in Ephesus. What do you think he was talking about? He's talking about when they were thrown in the Colosseum and how the animals couldn't attack them because he trusted God. Don't underestimate the Holy Spirit. Has he done it before? Yes. Ask Daniel. He's alive. Amen? Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. So what do you need to do? Not hold fast to God in fear, 
but hold fast to God in love. You know, most people, when they face a situation, they enter into fear immediately. And they start to beg God instead of trust God. You know that only orphans beg. Sons know that their father is there for them. Remember what I told you last week? I said, fear will always cause you to lash out. But love will always cause you to lay it down. I hope someone is hearing this this morning. She's my best fan. I love her. She is amazing. When he calls to me, that's you. When you call to him, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I will rescue him and honor him. Do you hear that? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow, guys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Are you righteous? Has Jesus made you righteous? Then God's protection isn't up to whether you've made mistakes or not or whether you did everything right this morning, but it's up to whether you can still believe that He's better than all your mistakes and He can still rescue you. You're So it's really a story of two lands, right? Either you want to be a desert place or you want to be a place that flourishes. And God gives us this very clearly. Jeremiah 17, thus says the Lord. How many of you know when the Bible says, thus says the Lord, this is a thus says the Lord moment? Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land, drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What happened there? Something got copied wrong. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out his roots by the streams and does not fear. Notice that word. He does not fear. When, he, when heat comes, in other words, under pressure, he doesn't become afraid. Under pressure, he doesn't panic. Under pressure, he doesn't go into anxiety and stress. Under pressure, he doesn't fear. For it, when he comes for Its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That means that you can bear fruit in and out of a good season because your roots are connected to a source that is greater than your external circumstances. It's good news. It means you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances and your surroundings because what you're anchored to is greater than what you're living in. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God, God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. I mean, God is looking after you. Do you believe it? This is the last part. 
How much time do I have left? All right, I'll try and wrap it up. Okay. Can you all see this vehicle? How many of you like camping? Okay. How many of you would like one of those when you go camping? It's all kitted out. I want you to realize that you are like this camper. You are all kitted out. Have you got it? You are all kitted out. You've got everything you need. And maybe the lights are bad, so you can't see so nice. But basically, it's got a tent and a fold-out and a gas stove and a, everything you need. for. And it's off the ground, so you know bugs don't get to you as easily for the ladies. Then I've also seen some guys. Yeah. So anyway, this is an important chapter. Okay, well, it's 10 verses, so let me cover it quickly. Please listen to this very carefully. 2 Peter 1, 1-10. Simon Peter is servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you say that qualifies you? Is he talking to you? Yes? Right. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power. This is God's divine power. Am I right? Has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So through these promises, he wants you to become a partaker of his divine nature. If this is unbelievable, then it's the gospel that's too good to believe. It's the almost too good to be true good news. Having, accept, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now I want you to notice it's the only place in the Bible where you will find sinful desire together. In the New Testament. That I have found. Everywhere else, it'll just say strong desire. But sinful desire is actually when you have chosen to fulfill a godly desire in an ungodly way. Then you establish a sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Guys, how many of you have faith? At least three I'm seeing in the crowd. Anybody else want to join the party? You have faith? Okay. So it says here, supplement your faith. Now supplements mean that you're going to add something to your faith. But your faith isn't, what you're adding isn't going to give you faith. And what you're adding isn't replacing what your faith does. What you're adding is going to put you in a better footing so that it's better for you. Are you with me? Now, watch this. You want to be untouchable, I'm showing you how to be untouchable. Amen? Watch. To your faith, supplement virtue. 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Watch this. And godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, and are increasing, in other words, you are getting better at them. Am I right? And they are increasing. What does it say? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That means if you are gaining in virtue and knowledge and you are making sure that you are growing in these areas, then you will keep yourself from this place of being ineffective and unfruitful. How many of you want to be effective and fruitful? Then you have to supplement these things. Remember, this isn't a qualification for being born again. This is something to keep you in victory in your Christian life. Does that make sense? I have to make that very clear. I don't want you turning it into another salvation doctrine. And it's not a law, it's something that he is adding, because watch what happens. It says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You want to stand? Why is it important to never fall? And my closing remarks is this. It's important to never fall because when you fall, you step out of the spirit and you step into the flesh. The devil cannot attack you in the spirit because in the spirit you are hidden in Christ. But the minute you step out of the spirit into the flesh, you become an easy target. Well, Mark, how do we do that? Simple. The way you do that is you make it about you. You see, we are called to be stewards and disciples and ambassadors of another kingdom. We're not called to live for ourselves. We're called to live for Him. It's His life that we now live. The minute that we choose to live for ourselves, we become a very easy target for the enemy to attack. Now listen, that doesn't mean that he can just get you. It means that be quick to repent if you realize you're stepping out into the flesh. Does that make sense? In other words, by repent, I don't mean beat your chest and cry and do a whole Hail Mary or anything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stepping back into him by realizing you've stepped out of him and choosing to step back into him. Does that make sense? If I put a coin in a cup and I held it here, would you be able to see? No. But if that coin was lifted just above the rim of the cup, would you see the coin? That's what it means to be hidden in Christ. I have a very good example of that with one of those Russian dolls where you're hidden in layers. Right? And I could have brought it, but I don't have time. I've only got like one minute left. So understand, okay, that if you want to stay hidden in Christ, you have to abide in Him because in the Spirit, you are untouchable. But in the flesh, you will make yourself vulnerable. 
And it might not happen today. You might not notice. But trust me, if you stay there, you're going to be in trouble. Does that make sense? Did you guys all get something out of this? How to be untouchable. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 